0: We open the word of God this evening. <clears throat> as I'll make sure to hit the button here. To Proverbs chapter 18. The title of tonight's message is the power of the tongue part 2. We had part 1 oh, what was it a month ago, a month and a half ago. It was it was quite some time ago and I'm don't don't worry. We'll go over the previous message briefly that that we can all be reminded Uh, what James chapter 3 says. But Proverbs 18 and verse 21 will be our text tonight. Here the word of the living and the true God reads, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The tongue, one of the smallest muscles that is found in the human body, but it is one of man's biggest problems. It is one of the things that we struggle with the most. <clears throat> it, it is one of utmost importance. It is, one, it is, the, thing, it is the, the, the thing that we use to tell our family that we love them. It is how we express our concerns. It's how we, how we sing to the Lord, how we rejoice, how we preach. It's how, it's how we tell the message of what the Lord has done for his people. It's how we do a great many things, but there are many uses for which it was not intended. That we can, that we are also guilty of using it for. That uh, that we covered in James chapter three, but since since some time has passed and we've slept once or twice, will you turn back to James chapter three, and we'll go we'll go quickly over James James chapter three verses two through ten, where we remember our acronym train train was our was our acronym, not uh, not like the air conditioning company. But like the, the choo-choo train, more the idea is more the verb, that we must, we must train to recognize these things. Train, beginning with verse 2, where we find the T of train for tongue. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not inward, the same is a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. The tongue, compared to the whole body, is harder to train, harder to manage. Than than the than the rest of the body. If one can control his tongue, he's able to control the rest of his body. The rest of his body's easier to control than uh, control uh, control compared to the tongue. It's easier to, to to train than it is the rest of the body. Verses three through six, we end up with examples. We have we have the the letter R from our from our acronym Train. And the, here the R st- stands for rein, R-E-I-N, the rein, the strap that is attached to the bit that goes in the horse's mouth. Here in verse 3, behold, we put bits in horses, horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. The bit, small piece of metal in the horse's mouth, and with that small piece of metal, you can turn about that huge horse. It is, it is a, an amazing thing that something so small can control something so large. Verse verse four: "Behold also the ships, which, they be, though they be so great, though they be huge, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, the, very, the, the steering wheel. You know the steering wheel, it might be this big, but still the ship is much, much larger, and all you have to do is turn this steering wheel, and it turns the whole ship. Whither whithersoever the governor or the helmsman listeth or desires, where he what he, where he wants, he can steer the ship using that very small steering wheel compared to the compared to the rest of the ship. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a manner a little fire kindleth. Every large fire began as a small fire. The the example that I gave was the the great Chicago fire started in Miss Miss Betsy's. Uh, a barn, her cow kicked over a lantern and caught her barn on fire it ended up burning down like 10,000 buildings and killing 300 people well, that's where many of our modern building codes come from uh, from that fire we learned a great many things building separations and so on and so forth but large fire like that started with a very small one a lantern just a, just a little flame just enough to give some light <clears throat> and then we come to verse verse 7 through the beginning of verse 8 we have uh, oh uh, excuse me verse verse 6 and the tongue is a fire there 5 and 6 go together tongue is a fire a world of iniquity so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature as it is set on fire of hell notice notice the beginning of that verse the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity how did this world of iniquity begin one act one act of disobedience, it came, came, eventually became all that we're seeing in our day. Small things lead to lead to much, much, much greater things, and that's what the tongue does. In verse verse seven through the beginning of verse eight, we have the A in our acronym TRAIN for animals, for every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. We've tamed just about every kind of animal that there is. We we, we haven't tamed every animal that there is, but we've tamed just about every kind of animal. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, and that's an example of its insubordination, which is our I in, in our acronym train. The tongue is insubordinate. It is full of unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith... Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude or the likeness of God. Man was created in the image of God in Genesis chapter 1. and We, we curse that man, we, but yet with the same mouth we will bless God and curse man. You, you've heard the phrase, you kiss your mother with that mouth? That's, it's the same idea that's being spoken of here. We can't, we can't speak like sailors and then also kiss our mother with the same mouth. Those things don't go together. We can't bless God with the same mouth that we curse men that are, that are made at, after the similitude of God. Verse 10, we get, we get our, our in of our acronym train, which is not. These things ought not be so. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. We have seen there what what the tongue is not to be used for, how it is not intended to be used. It is not intended to be uh, something that we that we offend men with. Offend men with. It isn't intended to be used uh, against God. It isn't intended to be a world of iniquity. But that's what it is. That's that's how it it controls men. You remember Christ said uh, the the tongue. It's not what goes into the mouth that defileth the man, but it's what comes out of the mouth that defileth the man. Because what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and the heart of man is wicked. the heart of The heart of the natural man hates God. He hates. He hates what God stands for. He hates all that God would have him to do. And that's why what comes out of his mouth is is nothing but nothing but evil. That, that is the the uh, the end of the natural of the natural man. That is death. Speaking death, if you will. That's how death is in the power of the tongue. But our text in Proverbs, chapter eight, Proverbs 18, 21 <clears throat> tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So how is it that life is in the power of the tongue? We'll spend much time in Proverbs at the beginning of this message. And then much time in the book of Romans. The life... That is in the power of the tongue is spoken, uh, is, is how the tongue can be used for what it is intended for. What, what, it, what, is it, what it is intended to be used for. How it can be used for the Lord's purposes. It can be used for not the Lord's purposes and it can be used for the Lord's purposes. It can be used for peace. Come to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15 and verse 1. At the beginning of the verse we see this. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Parents and, and supervisors and anybody that, that has anything to do with, with dealing with conflict, and even even husbands and wives, we, need, we all need to understand this, that a soft answer turneth away wrath. When somebody comes to you uh, with, with, an, with an issue about yourself, if you give a hard answer, you strike back. It, it's, there's going to be a fight that ensues. We, we're all aware of that. But a soft answer. Hey, let's sit down. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's figure out what's going on. A soft answer. That turns away wrath. That causes people to drop, drop their guard and, and actually be able to, to work something out. There's much wisdom in the Proverbs. That, that being an example of one. Drop down to verse 18. <clears throat> a wrathful man stirreth up strife. An angry man storeth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Because when strife comes to him, he's slow to anger. He's not going to immediately get, puff his chest out and get all angry. We all have issues. We all have issues with this, but, but here's an exhortation for us to be slow to anger. Because it will appease strife. Not, not make the, stri- the, the person striving against you happy, but it will calm them down. It will do exactly the same thing that a soft answer will. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. You ever let your mouth get you in trouble? Me too. Me too. But if we'll keep our mouth and our tongue, We'll save ourselves from a lot of heartache. Sometimes we say things and we don't mean it. We say it without even thinking. It just rises up in us and comes in and we're like, I wish I could take those words out of the air as they come out of our mouth. But if we, would, if we wouldn't do that, if we would, if we would uh, and, and we'll get into how to accomplish that because it's not intuitive. It's not intuitive how that's accomplished. I'll give you a hint. It's not by self-effort or resolution. <clears throat> This, uh, these are all. I'm just giving showing showing examples of how the tongue, how the Lord intends the tongue to be used. Here, here it is for peace. You want peace in your life? Control your mouth. I need I need that as much as anybody. But it is nevertheless something we're given in the Word of God. Proverbs 25 verse 11. We see how the uh, we'll get a few verses of how the uh, how a good mouth is priceless. 25 and verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. That would be a pricey picture. Apples of gold in pictures of silver. You have gold, gold pieces inside a picture made of silver. That, that is how much a word fitly spoken is worth. Priceless. Come back to Proverbs chapter 16. <clears throat> In verse twenty-four, pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. You think some some would say, "Oh, that's you know that's metaphor." I don't take that to be metaphor. I take that to be literal. Sin affects the bones. We know we know that's true, for we see we see how Romans chapter one describes those of a reprobate mind receive. That, that recompense that is fitting for their sin. We see that happen in our world. We know, and we know that sin affects the body, not only mentally and spiritually, but also physically. We see how sin wrecks the body. How much more does righteousness affect the body? Here, pleasant words are health to the bones. Something, something to keep in mind, but they're also, like in honeycomb, sweet to the soul. They they provide nourishment. They provide encouragement. They provide a a, a wonderful thing for the soul to feast on. Come back to chapter 15 and verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit, a weakness in the spirit, Uh, a tree of life. How, How priceless is that? I'm sure, I'm sure Adam and Eve would have loved to have, have of the tree of life. Now, the tree of life being a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who gives eternal life. Just, uh, just as, the, as the tree of life would, would have done that. Being a picture of what Christ does for his people. But uh, wholesome words. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Priceless. Chapter 10 and verse 20. We see this. The tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. The tongue of the just, not, not even the heart of the just, but the tongue of the just is, a, is of choice silver. So keep in mind that your, your words, your words have meaning. Words, words have meaning because God gave them meaning. And what, and what you say is, is well, well worth being in line with God's word, whether, whatever, whatever those words may be. There is, there is always a word to be fitly spoken, always a, 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 the right words to speak. And again, we'll get into how we get there. How, how do we know what words we need to speak? We'll get there, I promise. So we've seen how the tongue can be used for peace, how, it can, how the, a good mouth, a good tongue is priceless, and how the tongue can be used for restoration. Come to Proverbs 25, back, back to Proverbs 25. <clears throat> in verse 13, uh, verse 12, excuse me. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon the obedient ear. <coughs> an, ear uh, an earring of gold, so worth, worth a lot, and an ornament of fine gold, so is the wise reprover, one that would encourage, one that would uh, provide instruction. One that would a, a, a brother that would provide a a rightful rebuke, not a hateful one but a, a rightful one when it is necessary, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear, a disobedient ear won 't hear it'll they 'll always find a way to justify themselves, but an obedient ear they will hear and and those words that are spoken to an obedient ear they 're good they 're good they they want to hear them there 's how there 's how uh, the the words that are spoken can be used in a restorative manner. <clears throat> twenty-eight, Proverbs twenty-eight, verse twenty-three. Here, the word of God states, "He that rebuketh a man, afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue." So, when you re- when when you rebuke someone lovingly, you know you're you're honestly wanting them to be instructed in the way of righteousness, not boastful, look at, look at how much I know more than you do. Because that's not, that's not a rebuke. That's, that's, that would be pride, building up, in, building up in oneself. But when we rebuke one, they will eventually, they may not right then, because men don't like to be rebuked. Men don't like to know that they're wrong. There are some that don't mind it. But there are, but there are a great many that, that will not receive that exhortation right away. But there will come a time when you will find more favor for having rebuked them, having instructed them in the way that they should go than, the, than he that flattereth with the tongue. Oh, you, oh, you're doing such a great job when they're, when they're really not. They're full of, Flattery is never a good thing. Telling someone that they're doing a good job and commending them for it, that's one thing. But flattering them on purpose is never a good thing. So, Something something to keep in mind, that the, that the tongue can be used for these purposes. It can also be used in an instructive sense. Proverbs chapter 16. It can be used in in, in many senses. Uh, I'm, I'm just grabbing a handful, a handful of uh, uses for the tongue. 16 and verse 21. <coughs> the wise in heart shall be called prudent. And the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. This, uh, the, the wise in heart shall be called prudent; they, they're giving instruction. They can be you, the tongue can be used for instruction. The sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. Men don't learn by banging on a pulpit or banging on a desk. The sweetness of words, it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. It isn't his judgment. It is the sweetness. Of his words that leadeth men to repentance. Romans, Romans 2 and 3. It's in Romans chapter 2 where it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. The same idea is found here. With the sweet, in the sweetness of words does, uh, does learning increase. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. But the, high, the heart of the foolish doeth not so. They don't have any knowledge to disperse. But the wise will, will make known what he knows. We'll, will disperse the knowledge that everybody needs to know. We were told to go out into the world and preach the gospel. We were told to uh, go to the people of all nations, telling them uh, what Christ has done for his people, declaring that that, it is, that the work has been accomplished. There, there would be the heart of a wise man making known the knowledge uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 11. <clears throat> words again. Uh, Ecclesiastes, just like the book of the Proverbs, of a, a wonderful uh, book of, of everyday wisdom. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 11. The words of the wise are as goads or prods, we don't use the term goad anymore, but think of a cattle prod. You, you, you poke them and, they, and, and it gets them moving. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, perfectly placed. The words of the wise encourage one to go in the right direction, and they're also perfect, perfectly placed by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. Now we're kind of getting into there where it is that we get these words from, from the one shepherd, from the great shepherd of the sheep. But I won't, I won't jump ahead of myself. Last, uh, last way that, this, that that the tongue may be used, come back to Proverbs 15. We've seen that it can be used for peace, for that, that a good tongue, a good mouth is priceless. It can be used for restoration, instruction. And also for encouragement. Proverbs 15. In verse 23. Reads this way. <clears throat> a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season. How good is it? When There, there may be a time when we really need to hear something. But it, but it doesn't come to our mind. It comes to our, comes to our, 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 our brother in Christ. Or maybe from our, our wife who is a sister in Christ. That, that we needed to hear something. We're not feeling you know, very good about what happened at work today. But we needed to hear that there's a reason for it. We don't know what that reason is. Maybe we'll come to find out in the future. But there's a reason why that happened. You know, there there, there may be a a reason why we why we need there is a reason why all things happen, but a word spoken in due season at the right time, how good is it? It's priceless. And and it provides encouragement to the hearer. Proverbs 12 and verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it, maketh it glad. When we, hear, when we hear good things, it, may, it makes us happy. But, the, but heaviness in the heart does, does the exact opposite. It's one reason why I, don't, why I don't listen to the news very often. Because all they do is tell you the bad stuff that's going on. And, that, and that's what sells. Bad news is what sells. It's not the good stuff. But... Nevertheless, we need the good news first. I always, I always open up the good news before I listen to the bad news from the world. Something to, something to keep in mind. A good word makes the heart, makes the heart glad, but, uh, but heaviness in the heart will make it stoop. So words have meaning. Words uh, can be used for the Lord's purposes. Words can, can do all kinds of things. A tongue, controlling the tongue, has a purpose. But how do we get there? That, that's the hard part. And that's, that's where I want us to, 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 to focus this evening. All, all of that is, is really well and good. We need to know how the tongue can be used. And that, that the tongue isn't intended to be used for these things. And that it is intended to be used for these things. But how do we get there? Come to Romans. Come to Romans chapter 6. How to perform... These these things that we have just discussed, and it is not uh, it is not naturally intuitive to do these to do what we're going to discuss. <clears throat> Romans six and verse eleven. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just as he died, we died our lord christ died on the cross that he he died to sin once but in that he liveth he liveth unto god likewise we likewise reckon ye also or count reckon it to be true count it to be true also of yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto god through jesus christ our lord dropping down to verse 13 we'll get, we'll, we'll just read through 12 uh, read through 12 and 13 let not sin therefore because you have died unto sin Just as Christ died, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So there there is how that happens. There is a yielding. There is a yielding to the Lord God. And acknowledging that we can't do this on our own. Verse, uh, Dropping down to verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? Verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. As for ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. <clears throat> Remember, these are Christians that he's speaking to. These are He's not saying, okay, you need to yield to the Lord God so he'll save you, and then you're absolutely for sure always going to walk in righteousness. That's not what he's saying because these people are already saved. You read, you read chapter 1, these are the called to be saints, this is the, the faithful in Christ Jesus, these are the saints of God, the, uh, those that are already, they've already been saved, they've already been baptized, they're already in a, in a local body. But here he's telling them, how do, you, how do we serve God? By yielding to him, by, by, uh, by stepping out of the way and saying, I can't do this. In and of myself, you, you want to see what happens when we don't yield, when we try and accomplish it in and of ourselves. Come to chapter seven, <clears throat> seven fifteen. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I that do I. That's that's Paul describing the battle that goes on in and of himself when when it isn't, and when it isn't the Lord God working in him. The things that he doesn't want to do, he does, and the things he wants to do, he doesn't do. If then I do that which I would not, or the things that I don't want to do, I do, I consent unto the law that it is good. The Mosaic law, there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is perfectly holy and just. It's us that are the problem. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the law, it's us. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul, Paul says, the, my new man isn't what sins, which, by the way, before God, we are the new man. Before God, legally, that's all he sees. But as far as temporally, earthly, uh, our, our walk in this life, he sees, he sees how we walk. We are two men in, the, in, in, uh, in that regard. We are the old man, and we are the new man. We are two people, and Paul's going to get to that. <clears throat> where two people walking in one body, the old man and the new man. The old man still is there, still wants to do the things that he wants to do, still wants to do things his own way. He has his own dreams, and he's in love with himself. The new man, created in righteousness and true holiness, he walks in all of God's ways. He can't sin because he's born of God. It's the old man. It's the sin that dwells in us. It's that sin nature that sins. That's what, that's what Paul's getting at. It's not, it's not I, the new man. It's I, the old man, that sins, uh, not, not the new man. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, the, the sin nature, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. That's the new man. The, the, the new man has a new will, a new desire. To desire to do the right thing is present. But how to perform that which is good I find not. We don't have the ability in and of ourselves to perform that which is good. We cannot control our tongue, let alone anything else, in and of ourselves. We have the desire to do that. That's what comes with the new man. The old man, when we're, when, when we're walking in darkness, when, we've, when we're in the, in the darkness of the world, we, ha- we haven't been born again, there is no new man. There's no desire to walk in those ways. I can speak that from experience. I have no desire to understand any of this. But there one day came a desire to know and to understand and to, and, and to learn those ways and to start walking in them. I didn't understand what had happened. Just like my children, have, JJ has no idea that he's been born. He won't understand that till later. I didn't understand it at that point in time, but I, but I have since come to understand, just like all of us. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Again, Paul says, in and of myself, I I do the evil that I don't want to do and the good that I want to do, I don't do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. There's a battle. There's a battle that goes on in the child of God that is still in the flesh. Drop down to verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. He's talking about the battle that's going on in his body. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul grew up, we know Paul as Saul of Tarsus. In Tarsus, one of the, one of the old ways that they, would, that they would put to death murderers was they would take the victim and they would tie it to the murderer until the murderer died of infection. <clears throat> He's speaking here of that. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from the body of this death? He feels like he's got a dead body attached to him that he can't get off of him. Think about that. There's the two men. There's the old man that we can't get rid of. There's nothing we can do about him. He's here to stay. He doesn't get reformed in the new birth. He doesn't get changed. He's, he's not going to be improved. The new man is, is, is who we will be when we shed this body. There will be no more sin. We, we will no longer have any presence of indwelling sin. There will be no more sin for us when we shed this body. And that, that's something, another thing, to add it to the list of things to be thankful for. But as of now, we are two people. We have, a, we, have an old, we have an old man and we have a new man and they fight against each other. One wants to do evil and one wants to do good. So how... How do we how do we how do we do what we need what we just discussed that we need to do with our tongue Romans six we yield we yield this is chapter eight where the where the Holy Spirit comes into play Roman, Romans eight verse eleven but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and that word dwell is very important. we'll get to it in just a moment. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. This word dwell is not simply, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Every born again child of God has the Holy Spirit. But not in every, in every child of God, he is, not in, he is not dwelling. Dwelling being when you're at home, you go sit in your favorite chair and you're, you're, you're at home, you're comfortable. You're, you are in control of what goes on. This dwelling is speaking of that very same thing. He's, is, he a, is he a visitor or is he in control? That's where the yielding comes in. You see the, see the, uh, the connection that's made there? When, when the, uh, and, and we would want to yield to the Holy Spirit. He's the best kind of guest that there is. We would want to yield. We would want to give him the power. You control me. You do what you desire with me. This being this, every every Christian again has the Holy Spirit, but not he's not at home in every Christian. Psalm ninety one speaks of speaks of he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That's where that's where his home is. That's where uh, that that's where his he is dwelling in in the um, in God's abode. You think you think of that? It's the same idea here. Drop down drop down to verse thirteen. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And that mortify, notice back in, 11, in verse 11. Quicken your mortal bodies. This isn't talking about the resurrection. This is talking about now. Making alive our mortal body. Not our Im- in the resurrection, we're going to have an immortal body. <coughs> he shall make alive... Quicken, you know, when you cut your fingernail too close to the quick, it hurts because it's alive. He shall make alive your mortal body when the Holy Spirit is the one when when the Holy Spirit is at home when he is the one controlling when he is the one that has been given the power. Something to keep in mind. That's why that's why I said we needed to train to see when when we're doing the things we shouldn't be doing. Train to see that, and then we yield to the Holy Spirit, Lord. I can't do this in and of myself. I can't, I can't control myself as I should. But you can. The new man doesn't have power to override the old man. It's the Holy Spirit who has power to override him every time. He is the one who has all power. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. We're going to die. He's not talking about, he's not talking about earthly death. He's talking about unfruitfulness. He's talking about spiritual death. Not in that we become unborn again. He's talking about unfruitfulness. But if we through the Spirit, through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. Have uh, producing producing the fruits of the Spirit. That's only the Spirit can do those things. We aren't the ones that produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's the it's the otherwise it'd be fruit of the new man. It's fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who does those very things in us. It is as if we were dead, but the Holy Spirit changes that. Now, is there anywhere else that we're admonished to yield to God in this manner? There is. Come to chapter twelve. We'll just go through a, a, a few verses very quickly, just to show that this isn't found in that one, found in that uh, few brief chapters. Verse twelve, chapter one, or verse uh, uh, excuse me, chapter twelve, verse one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, because of everything that's gone on Romans one through eleven, everything that God has done, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Yield to God. Do walk in His ways. Do do what He would have us to do. Hebrews thirteen twenty one. We're familiar, I've, I've, we've looked several times at Ephesians 4, chapter 1, but Hebrews 13, 21 is another, uh, is another passage that speaks very much the same way. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It is, it is the Lord God that works in us to do those very things. Philippians 2 verse 13 and Isaiah twenty six twelve. Thou hast wrought all our works in us. It is the Lord God who does all of these things. 1 Peter chapter 5 <clears throat> verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I mean, there, there is a therefore. Let's back up and see what it's there for. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Yield to him. Humble yourself before him and he'll exalt you. Don't exalt yourself. Casting, how do we do that? Casting all your care upon him. Because he cares for you. Don't ever forget that. You have the God of the universe that cares for you. Humble yourselves before him. Let him take care of the matter. So we've seen how the tongue isn't to be used. <coughs> how, it, how it is intended to be used. And how it is God that works in us. To use it as it is intended to be used. Because we, we have the desire to do that. But we don't have the ability to do so. We do not have the ability to do that which is well-pleasing in his sight. He is the one who gives us that ability. That includes our mode of communication, keeping our tongue in check. As, as the tongue can be used for wickedness or for good, All both death and life are in its power. Our tongue being used for the Lord's purposes as opposed to being used for wickedness happens by our yielding to the Holy Spirit, not by our resolutions or self-effort. It is, it is by the yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now, what might that look like, the yielding? Because that's not something we're familiar with today. Because in our country today, it's all about you. It's all about what you do. And you have all the power. Because we're, we're a country of free will people. And that's not true. <laughs> come to, Come to the Psalms. Psalm 141, and I'm finished. Psalm 141. And verse 1, just to kind of give you an example of what that might look like. This is a psalm of David. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Lord, you take care of my mouth. I can't. Keep the doors of my lips. You control what it is that I say. Incline not my heart to any evil thing. Don't let me live like the wicked. To practice, uh, incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. And let me not eat of their dainties. Control me. a Yielding. Lord, you, you, you take care of me. I can't, I can't refrain from doing these things. But you can. You can make me. You can ma- the Lord has made us willing in the day of his power. Not just, not just in salvation, but even in our works, just like, just like we discussed this morning. We're to be thankful to Him even for our works. Controlling the tongue is no different. What a, what a great God we serve, that we can go to Him even when, we, when we're having temporal, earthly troubles. Because He isn't a high priest that can't, that can't be touched with our infirmities. But He was tempted, likewise, just as we are, in every, in every, uh, in every sense that he might be a faithful high priest, that we may come to him, that we can come to the throne of grace boldly. We can boldly come to the throne of grace, seeking help and mercy in time of great need. Let us always remember that our Lord God cares for us, that we we seek his will, that we cast our cares upon him when we can't do it ourselves. Let's bow before him this evening. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its instruction. We thank